Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 20 is where my assignment for this weekend comes from. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. We are in a series called Blessed to be a Blessing. As you know, it will culminate with our special offering on the 21st of November. So be prayerful about how God would have you participate. We are going to continue to be an amazing blessing to a lot of people this year because of your generosity. You're going to see all the things that we were able to do this year. Some things you know about, some things you don't. But I'm excited about what God is going to do um, through our generosity. But Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 20. This is the story of Joseph. Joseph says... But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. This is the end of the story of Joseph, and from it I want to speak to you from the subject, what I wish somebody told me about being blessed. What I wish somebody told me about being blessed. As you get older, don't you wish people would have told you some things, you know? I mean, and, and sometimes even if they would have told us, when you're younger, you wouldn't listen anyway, right? But these are things that I wish somebody would have told me about being blessed. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak by your power and by your presence and your Holy Spirit to every single heart that is here, every single heart that hears this word, no matter where they're hearing it from. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... You may be seated. Well, Joseph is one of the most beloved Bible stories of all time. And I've done this before, but let me give you the quick cliff notes. Joseph is one of 12 sons to Jacob and Rachel. Jacob loves all of his kids, but he loves Joseph the best because Joseph is the son of his old age at Christmas time. And of course, I'm inserting that in there. He buys him a jacket of many colors. He orders it well in advance because there's going to be supply shortages and he gets it through Amazon Prime and it arrives on Christmas Day and he opens it and he's all excited but the rest of the kids, they got socks and underwear. And Joseph wears this coat and every time he wears this coat, everybody, all of his brothers look and they realize that he is the favorite so they don't like him very much. And if the coat wasn't bad enough, then Joseph would tell him about these dreams that he had. And one day at breakfast time, he says to him, listen, I had this dream about these sheaves, whatever they are, and, and and I was a sheave, and you guys were sheaves, and your sheaves were bowing down to my sheaves, and then if that wasn't bad enough, the next day he tells him I had another dream, and this time, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they were all bowing down before me, and of course, they don't like Joseph very much, because they think this favorite child thing has gone to his head, and so um, they're, they're looking for ways to get him, and one day, Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers who are in the field, and they see him come, and they say, let's bust him up, let's kill him. And one of the brothers says, nah, let's not do that, but let's strip him of his coat, let's dip it in blood, let's throw him into a pit, sell him to, as a slave to some gypsies who are on their way to Egypt, bring the coat back, tell dad that he was attacked by a wild animal and died. And so off Joseph is on his way to Egypt, and sure enough, they go back, they tell J- Jacob that Joseph is dead, he freaks, they front, and Joseph is now a slave. As luck would happen, or providence, I should say, would happen, he winds up working for one of the most powerful man in all of Egypt. His name is Potiphar. Potiphar recognizes that the favor of God is on Joseph, puts him in charge of his entire estate, notices that everything that Joseph touches turns to gold. So he says, do whatever you want. Everything looks like it's going well for Joseph. Looks like he bounced back from his circumstances. But then out of nowhere, Mrs. P makes a pass at Joseph. Joseph says, no, she lies about Joseph, tells Mr. P that it was Joseph who made the pass. Mr. P gets 
gets mad at Joseph, throws him in prison. As Joseph is in prison, he starts, the Lord's favor is on him, and suddenly he meets two guys from the palace, the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. And the butler and the baker, they're having all sorts of problems interpreting these dreams that they would have and that are bothering them. And so Joseph says, tell me about your dreams. I'm really good with dreams. And so the butler tells him the dream. Joseph says, cool, in three days from now, you'll be back in the palace. Everything will be okay. The baker tells him his dream. Joseph says, not so good for you. And three days from now, you're going to be dead. Sure enough, he was right. As the butler is leaving prison, Joseph looks at him and he says, hey, don't forget about me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Get me out of here. Two years go by. He forgets about Joseph. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh is having this dream and he can't understand it. Calls in all those magicians. Says, tell me what the dream means. Nobody can tell him. The butler overhears it all. Says, I remember a kid in prison named Joe. He's good with dreams. And so they call for Joseph. They shine him and they shave him and he comes out walking like an Egyptian. And then they put him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him the dream. He says, seven years, seven skinny cows, seven fat cows. Joseph says, oh, that's easy. Seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. During the seven years of plenty, I want you to store all the food. During the seven years of famine, everybody from around the world will come to you for food. You'll be the Stu Leonard's of the world. And so he says, I like you, kid. He takes off a signet ring, puts it on Joseph, tells Joseph that he's now second in command of the greatest nation on all the in all the earth. And everybody is now bowing before Joseph. As providence would have it, Jacob and Joseph's brothers are in another land. There's a famine in the land. They can't get food to eat. Jacob says to his boys, I want you to go over to Egypt. I want you to go see the man who's in charge of the food. They don't know that it's Joseph because he's got makeup on and he looks like an Egyptian and everything like that. Joseph messes with them a little bit, asks them if they have a brother named Ben, puts some coins and some cups in their bags. They think they're going to die. They think Ben is going to die. Joseph can't take it anymore. He wipes the makeup off. He shows them. They're his circumcision for real. They recognize him. He says, it's me. It's Joseph. They go, oh no. He says, don't worry about it. I've forgiven you. You didn't do this to me. God did this to me. God brought me here to save many lives. Uh, you're forgiven. Life is good. God is good. Go tell dad. He's got grandkids to meet. Go tell that you got nieces and nephews to meet. I got land. I got houses. I got clothes. I got food. I got everything you need. I love it when a plan comes together. Life is good. That's the cliff notes of Joseph, okay? That's kind of like the, the quick version. Now, I don't want to zero in on the whole story because it's like chapter upon chapter upon chapter upon chapter in the Bible, one of my favorite stories. But I want to zero in on the part of the story that teaches us about being a blessing. Because if anybody was a blessing, it was Joseph. Matter of fact, everywhere you see Joseph, right from the very beginning of the story, Joseph is being a blessing, first to his dad, right? In Genesis chapter 37, verse number 13, it says, And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. So he said, this is Joseph, here I am. Now, no wonder why he was the favorite child. Imagine saying to your kids, go clean your room, here I am. Go do the laundry, here I am. Go do the dishes. Here I am. Go wash the car. Here I am. Go take out the garbage. Here I am. I know that's kid, that kid is getting better presents on Christmas than anybody else. But Joseph was serving his dad. That's the way the story opens up about Joseph. And then about quarter of the way through the story, Genesis chapter 39 verse 4, he's serving. He's being a blessing to Potiphar. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. 
He served him so well that the scripture says Potiphar didn't even care or didn't even check on what he had because he trusted Joseph to take care of it. Then about halfway through the story, we find him being a blessing in prison to the inmates and to the warden there. To the inmates because he interprets the dreams, but to the warden, Genesis chapter 39, verse 22 And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever they did there, it was his doing. In other words, he kept everybody in check for the warden. He was being a blessing. Then about three-quarters of the way through the story, he's a blessing to Pharaoh because he interprets Pharaoh's dream. He gives him the wisdom that he needs to be the most resourced nation in the world at that time. Everywhere you see Joseph, you find him being a blessing. And then finally, at the end of the story, our main Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 and 21. Now, therefore, he tells his brothers, verse 21, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. When you arrive at the place where you could be a blessing to your enemies, you have reached the Mount Everest of Christendom. Matter if that was me, I would have been like, I listened 12 pits, one for each of them, you know? I mean, payback time, but Joseph doesn't pay back. He pulls back and he does what Jesus commanded us to do. Matthew 5 verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. How many really does that? Right? It's not that easy. Bless those who curse you even harder. Do good to those who hate you. Even more difficult. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. How many of you know God is good to even people who don't deserve it? And that's what the scripture is basically telling us is that we, we, we realize that sometimes people don't deserve for our blessing, for our prayers, for kindness, so on and so forth. Sometimes there are enemies, but if we are going to be children of God, we do like our father does and he blesses us even when we don't deserve it. How many of you glad God has done that in your life before, right? If we were honest, we talk about all of the blessings we got even when we didn't deserve it. But everywhere you look, You see Joseph being a blessing in every circumstance. And so his story, his life qualifies to speak to us about what it means to be blessed. Things that I wish somebody told me about being blessed. Number one, being a blessing is always met with resistance. The life of people who live to be a blessing is always met with resistance. Joseph's brothers resisted him because he was blessed Because he was favored, they got jealous of him, and they hurt him, they harmed him. Potiphar's wife lied about him and had him unjustly thrown into prison. Because everywhere Joseph went, he was a blessing, he experienced resistance. And listen to me, not just people resisting him, but demonic resistance. One of the things that we have to remember in life, and it'll help us forgive, it'll help us bless people who curse us, it'll help us pray for people who despitefully use us, is our battle is not against people. See, what, what's happening in our culture right now is we are fighting one another. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Fight one another because when we fight one another, we forget where our real battle is. Our battle is not against people. It is against the enemy and his demonic forces. Remember what Ephesians says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The enemy knows the impact that people who live to be a blessing have and he tries to block them from blessing other people. He tries to discourage them through hurt, pain, betrayal, disloyalty. Not only does he try to block people who are committed to being a blessing, but one of the oldest tricks in the book is that he gets us to not even consider being a blessing through all sorts of things like selfishness, like self-consumption, like overindulgence, like disobedience, like doubt. Why bother? Only the good finish last in life. The Billy Joe song, only the good die young, right? They don't deserve it. You worked hard for it. Why should you bless them? All they want is your money. Keep it. Don't help. Don't reach out. Don't give. This was the storyline of the rich fool in the Bible, right? He was positioned to be a great blessing. But look at what he thought in his mind. Luke chapter 12, verse number 17. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I want to stop there. Don't look at him in that tone of voice. That's the way most people live their life. Most people live their life to get to a place where they could just take their ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Put it in cruise control. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for more than enough. But our goal in life, it should not be to acquire stuff just so we can have it easy. Because look, God said to him, fool. So in other words, and I want to, I want to get you to think about this before I give you the punchline here. God says, if that's the way you live your life, you're a fool. Let me say it again. Because this is the way that many people live their life. If we're going to be honest, right? Far be it from us to be honest in church, right? Um, here's what he said. He said, if we live our life just so, I mean, it's okay, but if the only reason why we do it is just so we can get to a place where we have more than what we need so that we can be easy in life, just put it in cruise control, we are a fool. We are short-sighted. This night, he said, your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is powerful. I mean, think about this. How many have, have already started to plan for retirement? Can I see your hand? How many are retired already? Can I see your hand? Right? It's good to plan for retirement. You should do that. Right? And what do we do to plan for retirement? We lay up treasure for ourselves. And God is not displeased with that. That's perfectly fine. You should do that. Matter of fact, the earlier you start, the better off you'll be later on in life. You don't have to put as much away if you start early as you do if you have to play catch up. But here's what God is saying. If that's all you do with your life is plan for that, plan for your later years here on the earth, but don't plan for your eternal years forever and ever, then you are a fool. 
And what God is saying is that we need to move beyond just laying up for ourselves treasure here. We need to first and foremost be concerned with laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Because guess what? Even if you don't live comfortably in retirement age, that's not as bad as not laying up treasure for yourself in heaven. Because that's where you're going to spend eternity. This is temporal. That's forever. And I know that pre- doesn't preach real good, but it's true. Now, when we do that, when we, when we are rich toward God, we help our souls not to become rotted. See, what happened with this guy and what the story, the beginning portion of the story is telling us about Joseph is don't by the lie. Don't get derailed by the devil. You are supposed to, as a Christian, live to be a blessing. Don't let the devil rot your soul through selfishness and skepticism. Be like Joseph. Wherever you go, in whatever you situation you find yourself in, be a blessing. Maybe the reason, by the way, why you've experienced so much resistance is maybe God has put a royal robe on you. Maybe God has hand selected you. Maybe you are chosen to be a blessing. Don't get derailed. Everywhere you go, be a blessing. But then number two, second thing the story of Joseph tells us is being a blessing brings out God's gift of resiliency. You ever, you ever notice how so some people can just keep bouncing back? Some people have a lot, this. Every, by the way, everybody has their share of stuff that happens in life. You know, not, not trying to prophesy anything negative on you, but none of us get out of here unscathed. Right? We all go, go through stuff. But there are certain people who have this tremendous ability to bounce back in life. And I believe it's when you live your life to be a blessing, God gives you that gift. God causes you to bounce back quicker than when you don't live to be a blessing. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, and let us not grow weary in well doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose lose heart. If there was anybody who could have lost heart about living to be a blessing, it would have been Joseph. Imagine, after being a blessing to his dad by saying, here I am. Dad, whatever you want me to do, I, I'm, I'm yours today. If you want me to go check on, our, on the brothers, I'm going. If you want me to do the laundry, I'm doing it. I, I was a blessing to my father. The reward that he got for that was he got beat up, put in a pit, and sold into slavery. He could have said, that's it, I'm done with being a blessing. But the next thing we do, we find him at Potiphar's house, and he's being a blessing again. He's serving Potiphar as if it's his own estate. Then he gets thrown in jail, and he could have said, that's what I get for being kind to somebody else. I get thrown in jail. But in jail, he's being a blessing again. Everywhere you find Joseph, he's being a blessing because, listen, this was not a trial and error theology for Joseph. See, a lot of us treat God's word like trial and error theology. Okay, I'll give it a little try. And, And here's the thing. When you have that attitude, usually what happens is it fails coming out of the gate. Because the enemy just wants to derail you. But if you have the attitude that says, if God said, if God asked, if God instructed me to live this way, to live to be a blessing, then what I'm going to do is I'm a blessing no matter what. I'm a blessing in any and all circumstances. I'm a blessing if I'm up. I'm a blessing if I'm down. I'm a blessing if I'm in Potiphar's house or if I'm in prison. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to live my life to be a blessing. Joseph kept being a blessing. And because he kept being a blessing, there seemed to be this supernatural bounce back 
in Joseph's life. It seemed like nothing was able to stop Joseph. Like in every situation he found himself in, he would rise to the top. And here's what I believe. I believe that God puts bounce back on those people who decide, I'm going to be a blessing. Psalm 92, verse number 12 says, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Not like the mighty oak, not like the huge sequoia, majestic trees. But in a hurricane, they become uprooted and they lay down. But not the palm tree. The palm, palm tree bends, it goes down a little bit, but after the storm is over, boop, it's right back up again. Joseph had bounced back. God wants to put a bounce back blessing on your life. And when we live to be a blessing to others, there is resiliency that comes on our lives. Proverbs 24 verse 15 says, no matter how many times you trip them up, God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet again. Why? When you decide you're going to be a blessing because God said so, because you're loyal to the Lord, not because there's some other thing that is in play, although thank God for his rewards in life, but just simply because God has blessed me so much, God has blessed you so much, God has blessed us so much, we are going to be a blessing. Isn't it good to live not like you want something from somebody, but that you want to give something to somebody? Everywhere you go, you should be thinking, how can I be a blessing here? How can I be a blessing here? How can I be a blessing here? And when you live that way, There is bounce back on your life. Number three, being a blessing enables you to experience God's rest. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. What's interesting about the story of Joseph is this little phrase keeps popping up that people noticed about Joseph in every situation. After the pit experience, he gets to Potiphar's house. And listen to what the scripture says. Genesis 39, verse number 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Watch this in jail. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Notice, he's with him no matter what circumstance he's going through. Some people believe God's only with them if they're if they're going through good circumstances. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is not only with me in the good circumstances. I'm glad he's with me in the bad circumstance because I need him more even then, right? But the Lord was with Joseph, showed him mercy, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand. All the prisoners who were in the prison and whatever they did, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look to anything that was under Joseph's authority. Watch this phrase again. Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. When the Lord is with you, they, they, people can do, circumstances can do. It doesn't really matter what kind of situation you're in. When the Lord is with you, the Lord will always cause you to keep rising to the top. And then before Pharaoh, Genesis chapter 41, verse number 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. I'm probably going to screw this up, but you don't know how to pronounce it either. Zaphnath Penea. Zaphnath Penea. What does it mean? God speaks and God lives. Pharaoh called the name of Joseph, God speaks and God lives. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when people who are far from God come into contact with you, do you know what the takeaway ought to be? 
God speaks and God lives. Why? Because they see the blessing that you are. People are supposed to notice that God is with you, that his anointing is on you, that his power and his presence is emanating from you. God speaks and God lives. Joseph seemed to know everything that the people who witnessed Joseph's life saw. He seemed to know that God was with him every step of the way. It seems like Joseph understood or lived with what the psalmist said. Do you remember Psalm 23, verse number four? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When you know God is with you, When you know God is with you, you know everything is going to be okay. When you know he's with you in the valley, when you know he's with you in the pit, when you know he's with you in the prison, when you know he's with you when your family turns on you, when you know he's with you when they lie on you, when you know he's with you when you lost everything, when you know he's with you when your life's been turned upside down, no matter what, when you know God is with you, you don't fear any evil. You don't fear a plan of the enemy. You don't fear when hell fear when hell stands in your way no matter what man tries you don't fear why because if god is with you like the old song says i got a feeling everything is gonna be all right when god is with you when god is with you there is this rest everything else can be going crazy But there is this supernatural rest. There remains a rest for the people of God. One version of Hebrews 4.9 says this. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. Seems like Joseph knew that if God gave him the dream, somehow, some way, God was going to cause him to arrive at the dream. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just give you a dream to get your hopes up? I want to encourage some people, some dreamers, in the prophetic words of journey, don't stop believing. If God gave you the dream, then God promises that the arrival at the dream is on the way. Just know God is with you in every circumstance, in every situation. Because there will be many opportunities to quit along the way. But if you'll keep believing, if you'll enter into that rest, God is with me. I know God is for me. I know God is on my side. If God's for me, who? can be against me. It doesn't really matter what man tries to do to me. It doesn't matter what the enemy puts in my way. God is with me. God's going to walk this thing. He's in the valley with me. He's in the struggle with me. He's in the fire with me. He's in the prison with me. He's in the pit with me. He's in every situation and therefore I'm arriving at the place that God promised me. The promise of arrival and rest. Number four, being a blessing sets you up for God's reward. Listen to the verse against the promise of the arrival and rest is still there for God's people. I just feel like the Holy Ghost is saying it's still there. Listen, somebody needs to hear this. No matter what you've lost, it's still there. There's still the opportunity to get everything that God has promised. Still the opportunity to enjoy everything that God put in your heart. Live to be a blessing. Joseph went from dream to pit to Potiphar's house to prison. And all of that seemed far away from the dream that God had given him. Sometimes we don't realize this. We don't, we don't process 
the stories in the Bible. We think that the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints got a promise and the next day they walked in it. That's how we envision it. We're like, God gave him a promise, boom, it happened. We don't realize that most of them went through things and went on journeys to arrive at that promise that looked so far and away different than the promise that God had for them. But they kept believing that God was with them. See, when you understand that you are a blessing in every situation, you understand that God will get you there and that God will pay you back. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8 says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Anybody ever do something nice for somebody else and not get anything nice in return from them? Has that any, ever aggravated anybody? Has anybody ever been in a relationship where you can nickname the other person one way? It's just you just giving and giving and giving. All of a sudden you just feel like, you know, hey, what's going on here? Here's the thing. You don't have to worry about people paying you back. When you do something right in the eyes of God for the right reasons, God said, if you do something good for somebody else, I will repay you. I'd rather get paid back by God than paid back by an individual any second of any day. Because when God pays you back, God pays you back according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He doesn't pay you back according to the limitations of man. He pays you back according to the unlimited resources of heaven. Amen. Being a blessing sets you up for God's reward. Joseph didn't know when. He didn't know how. He didn't know the path to the palace had to go through a pit and a prison. Let me say it again. The path to the palace had to go through a pit and a prison. Let me say it one more time. The path to the palace had to go through a pit and a prison. A lot of people go through pits. A lot of people go through prisons. They're like, I'm giving up. This isn't what God said. This isn't what, see, we don't give up based on the circumstances. We go forward based on the promises of God. Oh, that was good. Let me say it again. We don't give up based on the circumstances. We go forward based on the promises of God. If God said it, just, just be like a bulldog. One of the reasons why we call it faith church is because you know what, what faith is? Faith is holding on to the word of God like a bulldog. You ever see a bulldog hold on to a bone? Holds on to the bone. And you know why its, its nose is, 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 is bent backwards like that? So that it can breathe while it's holding on to what it doesn't want to give up. That's what faith is. Faith is holding on. Hold it on no matter what. Hold it on no matter what the adversary brings your way. Hold it on no matter what the enemy throws in your path. Hold it on no matter how many pits you go through. Hold it on no matter how many prisons you have to visit. Because sometimes the path to the palace has to go through a pit and a prison. If you want to go far, you need to be ready to pay a great price. There are no easy victories and promotions and influences and it's price that gets paid. And Joseph was holding on, but God was setting him up. He didn't know when. He didn't know how. He didn't understand that Potiphar's wife was sent to derail him, that the pit was sent to discourage him, that the present prison was sent to dishearten him. But he also didn't know that God would use every one of those circumstances to reward him. What I love about pain, I paused on purpose. He loved pain. Not in a sadistic way. 
Actually, just from the experience, I don't like pain. But what I love about pain is it makes the promise so much sweeter. I mean, I've I've adopted this philosophy in my life. You ever see my, my favorite movie in the world is when is is the Rocky series. You know, I love Rocky. How does Rocky always wind up winning? Because when they punch him, he gets ticked off, right? And all of a sudden, he's able to take that punch and something on the inside goes. He takes it something on the inside goes. What I love about serving God is that every punch you take, I promise you that if you'll just buckle up and you'll just say, you know what, God, I'm going forward anyway, eventually that promise will be so sweet. Use it as energy to force forward. He didn't know that God would use all the things that were sent to discourage him in order to reward him and listen to the reward. He gets before Pharaoh. Genesis chapter 41, verse 40. He says, You shall be over my house. Over all my people shall you be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. Everything's bowing down before Joseph. It didn't look like anything was ever going to bow down before Joseph. But now everything is bowing down. Listen to me. If God promised it, stay with it. God's not a man that he should lie. If God gave you a promise, trust him to bring it to pass through every situation and circumstance. So he said him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all of the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. God speaks and God lives. God speaks and God lives. And he gave him as a wife, Astana. I don't know if that's the daughter of whatever this guy's name is, the priest of An. I could pronounce that one. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I don't know why God told us the name. I mean, the age. Maybe it was because he first wanted us to know it took 13 years to get there. 13 years. I think that's part of the reason why he told us how old he was. But I think he also told us how old he was to let us know that God was giving him years to enjoy it. Amen. That God is good. If you'll remain faithful to God, you can never outdo God. The blessing, the reward that God will put back into your life, if you'll remain faithful, if you'll decide you're going to be a blessing no matter what. And let me just declare this over you right now, especially those of you who have decided you are going to live to be a blessing. God is going to give you double for your trouble. God is going to give you seven times what the enemy has stolen. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for morning and give back to you good measure pressed down shaken together and run it over that is the reward for those who live to be a blessing last thing I want to share with you being a blessing opens your spirit up for God's greater revelation living to be a blessing living to be a, we're going we're gonna to talk in this series about people who Decided to be a blessing and what it, how it impacted not just their lives, but the lives of so many people around them. Look at this. Genesis chapter number 50. Here's the revelation Joseph got. His brothers are before him, right? He's now in a position of power. 
most people would have totally gotten back at him. Because for whatever reason, we feel like even though God has treat, treat, uh, treats us well, even though God doesn't give us according to what we deserve, even though God forgives us after we blow it a million times, that it is our right and our prerogative to crucify people who sin against us. Hello? What, where, where does this brand of Christianity come from? Certainly not the Bible. The Bible says if you can't forgive your brother, then how could God forgive you? Matter of fact, it's even a little stronger than that. I said, God won't forgive you, right? Why? Because to receive something, to get something in your life, and not to grant it, not to pass. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. Give to others what you've received from God himself. How many has been forgiven by God? Only a few of you? The rest of you will have an altar call at the end of service so you can be forgiven. The greatest miracle God does is when he forgives. And when we've been forgiven by God, we're supposed to pass that on. Don't withhold forgiveness from people. It'll kill you. It won't kill them. Amen? Notice this. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph got one of the greatest revelations of life. And that is living to be a blessing. And he shares it with others. He shares it with them. In essence, what he says is, the reason why God gave me the dream, the reason why I was chosen to wear the coat, the reason why I was favored by Potiphar, the reason why I was favored by the warden, the reason why I was favored by Pharaoh, the reason why I was gifted to oversee, to manage, to interpret dreams was not just so I could enjoy palace life. God didn't just gift me so I could be a spiritual Heathcliff. Y'all don't know who Heathcliff is? The fat cat. See, we have this mistaken understanding in the body of Christ that the reason why God blesses us is solely and exclusively so we could be spiritual Heathcliffs. And God is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. The reason why I'm blessing you is because you are part of a greater plan. And the more God blesses you, the greater God expects you to participate in the plan that he has. And that plan is to save many people alive. What does he say? God didn't bring me here just because I was better than you. God didn't bring me here just because father loved me more than he loved you. God brought me here because God knew he could trust me to be a blessing. God wanted to bless people through me with what he has deposited in me. This is the revelation of what God has for our life. And some people say small in life because they never grab hold of this revelation. And listen to me. It doesn't mean that some people who never grab hold of this aren't successful in the world's eyes. But they're fools. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be successful here and unsuccessful in the kingdom. I want to be successful here God's way so that when I stand before God, God is excited to see me. 
I want, I want to, I want to walk into heaven. And I know this isn't the way it's going to happen. Believe me, it's not the way it's going to happen because we aren't the central theme of heaven. Jesus is. But, but just let me indulge our human consciousness for just one minute. I want to walk into heaven and I want not only God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, but I want God to say, hey, hey, here comes one of the greats. Here comes one of the ones we could trust. Here comes one of the ones who, when we bless them, live to be a blessing. That is what life should be about as we are Christians. We shouldn't just be consumers. We shouldn't just be people who use it all. We should be people who want to bless others with it. That is the story of Joseph. His prominence was because God knew he could trust him to be a blessing. Before we close, you could stand to your feet. Let me just tell me tell you one more thing about Joseph. Joseph, like many of the Old Testament characters, people, I say characters not to mean they didn't exist, people, is a type of Jesus. Every, every Old Testament story, at its foundation, at its greatest place of revelation, is an unveiling of Christ. David and Goliath is not about just how we can defeat our giants. David and Goliath is how Jesus defeated the Goliath of sin. That's what the Bible is about. It's about Jesus in every Old Testament. Jesus and Joseph had so many similarities because Joseph was an Old Testament type of Jesus. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. So was Jesus. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 shekels. So was Jesus. Joseph was left in a pit to die. So was Jesus on the cross. Joseph went to prison. So did Jesus when he descended into hell. Joseph was supposed to stay in prison, but he was called out in order to get to the palace and save his people from famine. Jesus was supposed to stay in the grave, but how many of you are glad he came forth to save us from our sins? Joseph offered forgiveness to those who sins against him. Jesus offers forgiveness to those who sin against him. Like Joseph's brothers, in order to receive, we must come. We must bow down. We must recognize him for who he is, Savior and Lord, and the only way to eternal life. We have sanitized the gospel to our detriment. And we have presented the gospel as a means to an end. We have presented it as Something that we want only because of what we can get. It's something that we need. Because listen to me very carefully. Every single person on the planet without Christ who dies in their sin goes to hell. And you've heard me say that three weeks in a row now in that language. Very intentionally, very purposefully. Because before long we will be living in a society who, if it's not there already, doesn't even believe there is a hell. There is a hell. God is a holy God. And the only way we can in any way be right before God is not in our own righteousness, but through the righteousness of Christ that he purchased for us, that when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, he gives us, he imputes to us, so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our sin thank God for it. He sees us through the blood of Christ, clean and whole. To get to that place, 
We must confess, bow before Jesus, confess our sins, receive him as Savior, and then he grants us eternal life. I never like to close a service because you just never know. And Saturday, I usually can see all y'all. I know who you are. Sometimes I don't. But I don't know who's there. And if you're here and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life, if you've never repented of your sins, never asked him to be the Lord of your life, and you don't know if you're right with him, right where you are, just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Pastor, would you pray for me? Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're at home and maybe you're watching somewhere else and right now you feel in your heart, you're raising your hand. Well, it's for you too. For the benefit of maybe that one. There's usually plenty online every single week in different places that give their life to Jesus. But let's all just join in prayer together right now. Would you all say this with me for the benefit of that person that's on the other side of that camera right now? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me and make me right with you as I put my faith in Jesus as my personal Savior. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, here's what we want you to do. There's a little button. Reach out and point it to hand. It means I gave my life to Jesus and one of our prayer partners and ministry team that's online will reach out to you and help you in your journey with Christ. We want to encourage you that if you're in driving distance, come on out to God's house. We want to encourage everybody that's watching online, come on out to the house of God. I promise you the anointing is greater here than it is there, although it's probably good there too. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.